right and the left. That's correct. You are. Because you're living on a line. I'll well, save dust. this for later. I got uh, something special I'll be cooking up. Oh. What? What does that mean? <laughs> what, are we not going to get in it? I'm not going to get not... into it with you. Uh, wow. Oh, okay. he, that's a moose. Jeez. Is he allowed okay. to do that? Is he allowed uh, to not answer us? Allowed, disallowed, who knows at this point. What are we gonna... uh, that's just, you know, the train, the train moves on. The train moves we got a on podcast here. record here, buddy. Yeah. Uh, huh. And record we will. I uh, appreciate you guys joining me out in the living room of uh, the den, uh, the, the crack den today. Um, we've got a couple interesting topics. Uh, the first one uh, really kind of blew the doors off. This happened yesterday, two days ago, I'm sorry, uh, from the day of recording, September 29th, live this Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, it is this Wednesday. was an insight into... Uh, well, first of all, I want I want to figure out how exactly Aaron feels about this because it seems to me as though Aaron just got upstaged and what I'm speaking specifically of is Indian Twitter versus black Twitter yes Mm. wow what a thing yeah now Aaron uh, the resident racist on this podcast right uh, who prides I'm not racist (laughs) how dare you okay Well, you are. There goes, so your, there goes your topic, Car. <laughs> I'm gonna make this All right, work. moving on. Jeez, <laughs> ah, double moose. I didn't bring the Bullwinkle Bulwarks today. <laughs> Get wrecked. I'm, I'm floundering, guys. All right, let's assume he was. Yeah. All right, let's assume a, I am racist, which I'm not. In a hypothetical scenario right. where we, where the three of us had created a hypothetical podcast together where Aaron had hypothetically yeah. dropped several thousand N-bombs. Right, where we're actors on yes. this on such mm-hmm. a podcast where our actual personalities don't necessarily reflect who we're playing on no. the podcast, but people sometimes forget that this is a, you know, an, a fictional recording. Yes. How would that Aaron, who in the play... Uh, that plays every Wednesday for roughly an hour uh, live. How would that Aaron react to seeing um, the swift, efficient racism of Indians online? Uh, if I had to stretch my imagination to its limits in pl- in trying to play that role, yeah, that's what I'm asking you to do. I would, I, I guess, I would be pretty psyched, pretty stoked, pretty okay, chuffed. So you're not. You're not feeling okay, Chuff. So you're not you're not feeling upstage. You're not feeling jealous. You're not feeling as though uh, they kind of took uh, the thing that you're playing and and did it 10, 15 times better. Yeah, no, I uh, I I would feel a certain amount of kinship with uh, the parties that are engaging in such racism, which I definitely don't approve of. Right. Um, I would per- again. Perhaps your character might. Yes, perhaps perhaps the character I was playing would be very chuffed at having such sources of inspiration delivered to me almost by the minute on my timeline. Yeah, by the minute, really. 
by the minute. So, it was just, it was stunning. Yeah, it was. And for everybody that did not see this, I know some of our listeners are not on on Twitter. Uh, some who? Uh, I, well, it's a good question. Yeah. Maybe the greater <laughs> question is I, who who am I even talking about? Some of our listeners. I'm not even yeah. sure if there's anybody listening. Twelve of them. Addressing all twelve of you. Uh, yeah. Attention, the the dirty dozen. Um, so this sparked with uh, Twitter user at the voice thirty posting a video uh it appears to be um, a number of indians dancing in a club mm-hmm. and uh it says this is great with a bunch of emojis and shit and then uh mr scully at lil avert quote tweeted that and says i know it smelled crazy in there yeah and that <laughs> and that set it off that was the that was, that was it that was the fuse the shot that heard around the world in the race war that was the shot heard around the subcontinent and there was a, there was a, it, it, it thousands <laughs> i mean thousands the quote, the of quote, quote tweets replies are nuclear oh I yeah mean, oh furious. absolutely nuclear yeah of furious. indians using the n-word yeah, yeah. absolutely furious it's totally stunning wild and you yeah. you almost wonder if any other two races could kind of conglomerate in that fashion and go to war with one another in quite yeah. the same way. Wow. If there's and like think, some deep-seated, latent, like yeah. rage towards oh, other is. races, <laughs> there is. <laughs> Holy moly! It was, it was, it was stunning. Again, yeah, it was really the only way to, and that's a great way to start the show, Car. Thanks, man. Thanks. <laughs> really well, it, uh, yeah, it we, we figure, you know, I, I didn't want to come out and. You know, have my uh, one hitter bunt. I, I figure we 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 get a strong line drive, get him on base, and we'll see oh, what yeah. we can do to knock him around. Sure. Um, but yeah. Anyway, for anybody who wants to see that, maybe we'll include that in the show notes because it is truly you will lose an hour of your day just scrolling, looking through thousands of quote tweets with yeah. n bombs. Yeah, and, <laughs> and thinking, wow, this is so much better than Aaron's done. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> There, there really is, and I don't mean to harp on this, but there's really no way that all of those quote tweets could have been so good if they didn't absolutely hate blacks. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, it, there's yeah. real, yeah, there's real there's animosity. Visceral fucking yeah, rage. Real animosity on both sides. Yeah, on both oh, sides. Man, to invoke a Trumpian phrase. That's good. Um, That's good. Yeah, good people on good people on both sides. But yeah, that was so. That was it's interesting to get the the concept of the Twitter race war (laughs) invoked on occasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. They Uh, make me look like fucking Martin Luther King. It was wonderful. Yeah, it was it was wonderful. Every I feel like moments like that are like, you know, when the clouds finally break and it starts to rain, Mm -hmm. right? So it's gonna be bad for a while, and the rain will come, and perhaps the storm will destroy some property and so on and so forth but at the end of the day the pressure in the sky is dissipated yes it's and releasing i have to imagine it was that you aaron yeah he's, he's of course texts. you turn that off he's getting texts jesus unbelievable uh, te- I, I i have to imagine that even like the richard spencers of the world like we're looking at their phone like damn yeah, <laughs> you there know? could never be such. Yeah, there could yeah. never be such a rally. Like, there's like kind of light American racism, and then there's the and deep there was, like, yeah, globalized, <laughs> yeah. globalized <laughs> racism that we're not even privy to ever, except in events like this, which well, yeah. somebody described as the 9/11 of Twitter. <laughs> I don't know if I could have described any better myself. So oh, kudos shit. to whoever that was. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's incredible. something else. Really good. Um, 
So I think a good place to pivot from here, we can open this up for discussion. Uh, I'm going to be kind of pivoting and jumping off of black Twitter into NBA Twitter since uh, there's a Oh, I forgot about this story. Great pickup. Yeah. Yeah. So we have uh, a number of players that are speaking up about uh, mandatory COVID vaccines. And they're doing so in in a a relatively articulate way, which has been really, really a joy to watch. Um, And them being you know black offers them some sort of cover against a lot of the media onslaught um so you know primarily i think i think uh, for now for now yeah yeah right Uh, i think our boy Kyrie irving is kind of leading this charge i've got a story about him Eh, might not be what you think though okay what you think it might be though we'll come back to him but yeah okay so yeah our boy Kyrie irving yeah who else we got Uh, we andrew wiggins Andrew Wiggins, uh, one of my favorite players in the NBA. Yeah, uh, and then and a few more, but I think that those are probably the most outspoken. Would you say that? I, I would say so. Okay. Um, uh, so they're they you know they're getting up in press conferences and they're basically saying you know this is a, a careful. They're not like coming out and being like crazy anti-vax, which I think is a really great idea, whether or not they are actually crazy anti-vax or not. They're they're coming out being like this is like a you know, it's a personal decision. And like, I, I saw somebody, it might've been Kyrie being like, you know, in our risk group, which is, you know, basically young, really in shape <laughs> men, our risk factor is virtually yep. none to go. To that the is our risk group. Yeah. yeah. And, and so our three. Uh, yeah. That's our risk us. group. And we share that with Kyrie Irving. Former crack. Yeah. Um, current, current crack users who've been vaccinated 11 times each. Yeah. We're practically the, the same week. as Kyrie yeah. Irving. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm smoking so, my booster right now. So this has been, this is a, a part of a greater picture of more and more people beginning to break away from the uh, authoritarian march of the COVID bureaucracy. Um, and it seems as though we we've we're this has always been the case to some degree, but it feels as though we're re- the train is really starting to leave the station where half of the country is marching on. They are saying more and more. We need more mandates. We need more lockdowns. We need to block travel from you know X place or Y place. Um, we need vaccine cards. We need this and we need that. And half the country. Well, we don't need ID to vote card. But, well, right. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Um, and then half the country. A, was never really on board with that, like geographically speaking. I mean, whatever Texas and Florida account for population-wise, and, you know, whatever it is, a sixth um, right there, plus the rest of the, you know, heartland and other various southern states are, are not really on board with any of this. And then you have, A, the things that I've been highlighting with the NFL where people are vaccinated and lose, and not able to play games, not because they're sick at all, but because they just merely – tested positive on a really junky test mm-hmm. and then you've got the nba where where athletes are starting to speak out and you know that all of these athletes that's a small family like that's a small circle of people sure yeah the nba the nfl the nhl you know all, all of the these athletes share a relatively small circle and i would be shocked if a lot of these things that you're seeing kyrie irving and andrew wiggins um and who jalen brown yeah um say have not been discussed ad nauseum in locker rooms like, I, I, I would imagine that there are a lot of people that are feeling very similar. I don't think that they would be coming out and saying this. Well, maybe Kyrie would, but um, I don't think a lot of people would be coming out and saying this if it wasn't somewhat popular uh, amongst their peers. So I, I would like to just re-highlight that trend um, of 
a lot of branching away and then a lot of marching on. And it's just this really bizarre um, juxtaposition between the two. And it's growing more and more bizarre because in pop culture, like people are having to hold both truths at the same time almost in order to make things make sense. It's it's so, so strange. It seems like – isn't this happening in the NFL too? Where there's I, like I, just a few holdouts. Yeah, there's a few holdouts in the NFL. Um, I think um, Kirk. Cousins and are their rules won. just as stupid? I remember their rules. I don't being actually really know ridiculous. what the NBA's rules are, but the NFL's rules are ridiculous. Ridiculous. I mean, they're right. They're really bonking stupid. people's yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, fantasy games. As far yeah, as yeah, they're, they're killing them. Yeah, com- completely killing them. Um, uh, I think it was uh, interesting that you described it as the COVID bureaucracy. Yeah. Can you expound on that a little bit? Like, what does that, what does that look like to you? Um, I, I guess, you know, that was a pretty broad statement, but, um, all of the, the, uh, the organizations and interests and people that are, that are, uh, that have, that either are true believers or have everything to gain, uh, by more and more, uh, rules to follow and medicines to give with regards to COVID. And do you think that applies just to people? It's uh, the reason why I'm going down this this path is um, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot. Um, just kind of like how uh, my reality on on the coast is probably vastly different than what you experience and how you interpret it, you know, in in Texas. Yeah. Um, so like you would describe it as people that are in some type of position of power in some type of institution that has power right i well i would describe it as that but then also the true believers because um or or those that, well yeah i mean i guess the true believers because i mean basically what i'm hearing and again this is my like you all you can do is is kind of understand what i'm telling you about texas and all i can do is understand what i'm seeing on tv and hearing from you guys in terms of what it's like um in not texas or florida but they're they, just like almost anything they the the state has and and it's tendrils have have uh you know radicalized a lot of civilians as freelance cops for enforcement i mean and, yeah. and so yes. that that is what i would also include it in, big big that. conversation going on in the twitterverse right now is exactly revolving around that which i thought was quite interesting ah, the connection I, between whether or not they're being levied as cops basically um well i mean yeah i mean whether yeah. or not they're 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 deputized or whatever is kind of irrelevant right. to me but like i mean just a bunch of fucking busybodies running around telling sure. people to wear masks and do and do uh, you know and just worrying about other people's business yeah um so i would include that in the in in the uh bureaucracy because you know those not it's not just the physical actions of of running around being quote-unquote cops but it's also um just showing having a warm body in support of a lot of these things you know, All right. you know, I mean, I don't know. Is that, is that what you're So thinking? you would consider like the, the grassroots, the organic support for, um, all the, all these policies that are coming down the pipe every day. It seems like that, uh, that grassroots base, you would consider that part of the bureaucracy. I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah. All right. I was just wondering. Yeah. I don't really, I'm, I'm still trying to kind of flesh out how I feel about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm is. not the most, um, <laughs> I'm not the most uh, uh, philosophically inclined, so you know maybe my words are uh, are, are not uh, properly chosen. But I mean, when I look at it and I look at what is the driving, what are the driving forces behind this? I the, the people on the ground, the freelance cops, are not a driving force, but they're certainly a feedback loop that 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 get, 
give support for more rules and things like that from driving forces. So in yes. some sense, like, you know, I, I consider mm-hmm. it a, a, a part of the same, uh, you know, a part of the same system, I guess. Yeah. I just, when I, when I communicate to people that don't live in as draconian of an area as, as I do and bird does right now, um, I want to do so in a way that they can sort of relate to that. Like I, I there's really nothing to compare it to. Like, I've been to Texas. I've been down south. I know. I know the culture. I know the lifestyle. And I don't think there's a way for me to kind of get it through your thick skull <laughs> that you don't want what we have. Yeah. Like you. Yeah. Like it, it's not enough. Like, and, and I hate to quote Joe Jorgensen, but it's not enough to be passively anti anti COVID lockdown or anything like that. You you have to be on the defensive. For any of you listeners that are like in an area that's uh, you know purple or on the fence like you like it's it's too late for me and bird like it's it's up to you guys to to push that impetus too late for me because i'm moving (laughs) yeah yeah you're moving you're that's to me you're talking about like being on the defensive buy a plane ticket get the fuck out of there who are you defending get out i i can't like i literally can't. oh my god all right um, at right now, I should say right yeah, now, today. I yeah. Um, like just my specific situation, um, does not precludes me from fleeing to a free state. Yeah. It, but, uh, it, in the meantime, if there's even just a kindling of any type of resistance, um, that I can fucking encourage or latch onto in my little drop of water in a bucket sort of way, um, like I, I would, I, I'm trying to do that. And for those states that are kind of teetering on the edge, I would encourage anybody to, yeah, um, just go 100% bull rush into it for sure. And I, and and to to put a finer tip on what you're saying, Aaron, you know, we did go through a period of time where people were wearing masks and stuff like that. Um, now the local places weren't really enforced. What, what I mean, there there is a reason why they got rid of it. And there's a reason why it wasn't really enforced here, specifically in Fort Worth. And Dallas cannot say the same thing. They're still fighting this shit. It is because Fort Worth just would not support it. I mean, the people just weren't obeying it. And it was putting the, the cops in a really difficult situation where they were like, what are we really doing? Nobody's wearing masks. So what do, you, do you want us to just bust into random restaurants? And they were like, yes, for a little while. That happened for, <laughs> for like two weeks. And then, and then everybody was like, yeah, you, we cannot fucking do this. And so it just turned into look the other way really, really quickly because there was non-compliance. So, I mean, to your point, Aaron, that, you know, d- definitely, um, you know, people were not not complying in their daily life. They were encouraged. You know, I don't know if they were actively encouraging. Other, I certainly was encouraging people not to comply. But I, w- I was also reaching out to friends who wanted to go to restaurants and bars and been like, hey, this this place, this place, this place, this place are open and not requiring masks. Go there. Give them your business. And I don't I you know, I think that's no small part of why ultimately, you know, not me personally, but like that resistance that that was very grassroots in Fort Worth that kept it from getting insane. And I think if we had complied, uh, it would have been a very different story. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Aaron is on hashtag resistance. I'm on hashtag get the fuck out of there and cars on hashtag 
where I am is just fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hashtag stay the course. <laughs> Create your own state yeah. <laughs> in the union. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, that's that's the, I guess that's still the state of affairs. I think it would be so crazy for me to fly into Boston right now. I mean, it's it. Yeah, we, don't know. I did, it, bro. I was yeah. in Boston a week ago. It was a fucking nightmare. Yeah. That, you were in Boston a week ago, yeah, you motherfucker. Not uh, for three hours, my friend. Oh, for three hours. A layover. Yeah, layover exactly. And and yeah. and that airport fucking sucks. <laughs> I have to tell you. Yeah. It sucks. Yep. And it was the only place, so far, in the COVID thing, where I was asked to put a mask on. <laughs> oh, in, I think I saw yeah. your tweet about in that. In two when you were years. The I was as I was eating a fucking sandwich. And I put it down for a second to, to, to pen a tweet. I was asked, hey, can you please put that on? And I pointed to the sandwich. It was like, I am eating the sandwich. I'm eating the sandwich. I don't remember what happened after. I went into a blind rage. And the only reason why I didn't scream was because I was, I'd get arrested. I already know how that goes. So, yeah, it's, Boston sucks. I'm just going to say that yep. from the airport. It does. It, is, it sucks. It's a terrible place. The boner. airport is a microcosm of the greater metropolitan This is what area. you got to know, yeah, but the Northeast is Boston. You get yelled at for not wearing a mask while you're eating a sandwich. New York, you can go right into the subway with a hard dick and walk around between cars and nobody will bother you. Yeah. Big Masturbating the whole time, just as long as you have a mask on. <laughs> that would be for the funny thing. Like you, you had to be masturbating, or else you had to put a mask on. <laughs> I think that's a, I think hey, that's buddy, a rule I'm, in I'm Vegas. Not... <laughs> I'm masturbating here. I can't do this with point, a mask on. Of I'll get lightheaded. Instead of pointing to your sandwich, you're pointing. To your... <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> buddy, I got things to do. I got doing stuff here. Unbelievable. Well, can yeah. I can I issue an award? King of the week. As you'll notice, over the past month, I've been giving awards out, so on and so forth. I got two awards today, good and bad. King of the week comes first. Uh, And this week's king of the week is going to go to a friend of the show and a master who has never lost a single Twitter fight. The king of the week award is going to go to everyone's favorite, El Pulpo. Oh, my God. I forgot about this stuff. Pulpo has gotten into a lot of interesting situations over the past week. And I pulled up an article from another friend of the show, Lee and Block Press, which explains the situation beautifully. He titled it, Getting Hairy, Journalists Slapped with Pictures of Extremists' Testicles in Deliberate Misinformation Attack. At least one Twitter user has had enough of the annoying blue check bug man and is taking a stand against journalists by hitting them with an unlikely weapon. His balls. El Pulpo explains his tactics in this Twitter thread presented here for posterity. It's all in there. As his account is surely on borrowed time, and it was. His account got banned. The short version is that the corporate press is an enemy of the people, and they should be shamed and humiliated wherever possible. So Lee provides a PDF so you can see the entire set of exchanges that were collected. Pulpo's crusade is explained in a Twitterfesto that reads... You must interrupt the murder pornographers, the pilferers, the propagandists, the liars. It's your moral prerogative. You must show them your nuts. No, I mean really show them your nuts. A thread. And then it shows pictures of Pulpo finding 
uh, various ways to coax journalists into showing them his nuts. The concept, to me, is genius. And at the very least, I think more people should start clowning on journalists, showing they nuts, or something like that. If you got an account that you want to lose, it's probably a great way for you to go out balls forward. And I think Lee wraps it up beautifully. He writes, the war on journalists must continue. And with troops like El Popo on the front lines, victory is all but guaranteed. So thank you, El Popo. You are Timeline Earth's King of the Week. Listeners, go listen to Not a Podcast if you aren't already. So that was heroic, fellas. It was incredibly funny. I mean, it was incredibly funny. I highly recommend going and reviewing uh, Lee's tweet there because it's... Uh, it's yeah. stunning. Yeah. It's, it's, a stun- it's stunning. Really good stuff. And then, we're going to get a little dark here. As I was collecting my notes, car, for the episode... I noticed there was a troubling trend of occurrences. Okay. That everything that I had dug up was in some way demonic. Okay. Uh, related to demons, so on and so forth. Let me just give you one example of that now. We're transitioning to Scarlet Bird Society We're, right now. <laughs> which was a great episode last week, by the way. Great episode. Anybody, Go check yeah. that out. Yes. Clown of the Week Award. Fellas, there was a lot of clownery going on last week there was a story about a guy in the netherlands who was killed two people out of his apartment window with a crossbow <laughs> there's a that. story huh. about donald trump's terrible temper and i will we'll get to that oh later God, yeah. there's a story about dog the bouncy hunter right who's coming out hard out of retirement from saying the n-word and now he's no. hunting down the killer of the woman whose name i'm now forgetting and there was also some guy named Uxbal Drager on Twitter in a conversation about ethics of vaccination mandates who unironically tweeted, quote, I don't see it as anything to be ashamed of. I also openly admit I wanted automatic gunfire used on the January 6th crowd. I'm strongly pro-ICE and think our blood should be drawn and put in a database at birth in case we ever commit a crime. I'm neither left nor right. It's enlightened. That tweet made me come. Yeah, me too. It was an excellent tweet. Gallons. Like fucking gallons. It was an excellent tweet. But, fellas, I think I'm going to be electing to change the Clown of the Week Award to something a little different this week. The Demon of the Week Award. Why? Because I have the perfect nomination. Carr, do you remember how, like, maybe two weeks ago, we had a big group chat discussion about the coronavirus, demons, other yes. such related topics. Well, it's time to get you crossing your millstone because we have a literal demon with a pulpit. I am nominating, electing, if you will, the unelected governor of New York State, Kathy Hochul, for the Demon of the Week Award. Why is that? Why? Well, a few reasons, Carr. Governor Kathy Hochul is the new governor of New York. She replaced Andrew Cuomo when he resigned for being a disgusting pervert. I mean, for being Italian, I guess. The murder of some 15,000 elderly, you could view maybe as a human sacrifice to pave the way for a literal Luciferian, as Kathy Hochul took control of the governorship just recently. Handpicked by the most evil collection of human beings in America, the New York neoliberal technocrat elite, Ms. 
Hochul took approximately two weeks to invoke the power of God in Christ in order to bolster her image, solidify her mandate, and round up an army of fallen angels to begin the entry into the apocalypse. So as she was wearing a golden necklace that read Vaxxed and standing at the pulpit of the Brooklyn-based megachurch known as the Christian Culture Center, Hochul commends God, but I'm not sure which, and declares her mission a literal crusade against the unvaccinated. She said, and I quote, God did answer our prayers. He made the smartest men and women, the scientists, the doctors, the researchers, he made them come up with a vaccine. That is from God to us. And we must say, thank you, God. Thank you. And I wear my vaccinated necklace all the time to say I'm vaccinated. All of you, yes, I know you're all vaccinated. You're the smart ones. But you know, there are people out there who aren't listening to what God wants. You know this. You know who they are. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it and say, we owe this to each other. <laughs> that was her little sermon. And if the obviously satanic preening and weirdo condemnations weren't bad enough, Hochul doesn't just intend to use words to get her way. She's mobilizing the National Guard. I quote, We will be nation-leading with our mandate, which strikes at midnight tonight. You know, like a very like book of Genesis wording when everyone is expected in a hospital in the state of New York or a healthcare facility to have to be vaccinated. I will be signing an executive order to give me the emergency powers necessary to address the the shortages where they occur. That's going to allow me to deploy the national guard who are medically trained, deploy people who've been retired and may have license lapses and bring in people from elsewhere. Once again, the National Guard, who she says are medically trained, retirees with lapsed licenses, and people from elsewhere. People from elsewhere, fellas. Certified healthcare workers, who are already not great at their jobs, on large, are being replaced by old people, the most vulnerable group towards COVID... (laughs) National Guard medics, how many of them is there anyway? And people from elsewhere. PFEs. <laughs> people PFEs. from the, elsewhere. The, the, the most popular reinforcements uh, of the 20th century. Uh, PF, PFEs. <laughs> she <laughs> is. From elsewhere. Kathy Hochul is a lunatic, Luciferian, and I pray that New York City gets what it deserves after January. Just let me get out first. A, a charismatic Luciferian. You're all you're, you're a robot, Aaron. What did you say? I said a charismatic Lucifer. Oh my God! Aaron went to a robot voice. Aaron's at, in a robot oh, voice. No. Oh. oh, he's back. Right, now you're back. Try again. I said a charismatic Luciferian. Did did you see the speech? She really was. I did. Yeah. She was really was like getting up there, dude. Yeah, it's like a revival. Yeah. Oh, and here's a progressive one more thing. If it wasn't obvious, Kathy Hochul's daughter-in-law is a top lobbyist at a pharmaceutical firm that's actively been trying to influence state and federal lawmakers. Anyway, that's my nominee for Demon of the Week. And frankly, fellas, there is no second place even close. Okay. Even close. Yeah. I'll, I'll co-sign that. I'll rubber stamp it. it how, Car, how close are we to getting you Man to be like, cloth. yeah, demons? Yeah, I mean, I'm there. 
I, oh, really? I was, calling, I was calling people demons in the in the group chat like two weeks ago. Oh, that's or excellent. I think I said. I think I think I that's said not that all was... you were calling people. <laughs> 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 what were you calling people, Carl? Say it, Car. You took a little. You took a little uh, unplanned Twitter break. What, what happened there? That's right. that's right. You know that was not the worst week to be suspended because there was a shitload of infighting. A lot. Yeah, there was a lot of infighting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was a bad week. I loved it. That's true. I forgot that Carr was I, suspended for yeah, I was suspended. I just heroism, got, practically. Yeah, <laughs> Unbelievable uh, stuff. So, yeah, yeah, Demons. Suspended for telling the truth. Yeah. Aaron, what about you? Where are you at on, on Demons literally literally uh, controlling the minds of uh, many different members of the, bu- the bureaucracy? I've, I've been there for a Excellent. while. Like, you don't have to convince this me. This is a demon-believing podcast? Rape-tracking it, even believing, you know, president watching, it, it, president watching. This might be a controversial watching. thing for uh, Christian libertarian Twitter, but I don't think we're in end times. No, I don't either. I don't. I think this shit ain't ending anytime soon. This is the start. No, yeah. <laughs> start times. We got about a thousand years left, I think, <laughs> before this really gets bad. But as as we get closer, you'll start to see more and more things like this yeah. that kind of uh, tickle tickle the uh, curiosity. Sure. And uh, yeah, I am. I'm right there with you. You don't have. You don't have to sell me on Great. it. Great. Don't sell me on it. Great. Stop. <laughs> well, I got a lot more demon stuff, dude. So, like I said, I had a lot uh, more demon stuff. Uh, would you like more demon stuff? More demon stuff, please. One more demon stuff. Okay. In other demonic news, Hillary Clinton has reappeared. I'm sure that you saw these very troubling (laughs) pictures of Hillary Clinton recently. She's wearing this really weird outfit, this like robe, and she has this bizarre face like she's proclaiming some sort of like kingly edict. And also she has a child (laughs) who is holding up her her robes and looks exactly like Greta Thunberg. (laughs) It's crazy. That's who I thought it was. But then I was thinking she's way too short. But then I was also thinking, I don't know how tall Greta... Toonberg. A schmidget. So. A schmidget. Toonberg? But is, is that who that was or no? No, it was not. <laughs> oh. Okay. Dude, that, that's no. That's that too easy. Wild. That would be like yeah, mashing up. Sonic and Mario mashup yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. th- so this kid, this child, I, who I can't identify the, the gender of, I, a very non- <laughs> Dude, non-specific this like, this, child. This is a fever dream. I mean, it really is. It was. It was like, bizarre. Like, She's carrying the end of the, the. This kid is carrying the ro- the robe, and, and also has and also, this. And also, Greta Thunberg was there. But it wasn't really Greta Thunberg. <laughs> <laughs> Explaining it to your psychiatrist. <laughs> Show me where Greta went. <laughs> the kid has this weird, devilish smile the entire time. It was a really Demonic. bizarre event. Yeah, very. And so what happened was, for some reason that I cannot understand even after they explained it, Hillary Clinton was made the ceremonial chancellor of Queen's University in Belfast, Northern Ireland. She was very full of herself, too. She was chuffing it up with the academics. And again, she's making this face, this really odd, like one of those faces. And there's a picture of her on her Twitter page. Where she's doing it to him. You know what I mean? She's doing it to the front yeah. of the university. It's really weird. 
Just call me Madam Chancellor is what the tweet said. <laughs> so, Ugh. Professor Ian Greer uh, gave an explanation as to why this was happening, and it makes no sense to me. But, quote, Hillary Clinton is an internationally recognized public servant who has demonstrated a longstanding commitment to Northern Ireland. She has an enormous amount to offer the university and will continue to work as a key advocate for Queens on the international stage. She's touting, Hillary was touting her longstanding relationship with the country, with the province of Northern Ireland, and in her acceptance speech, she made a really bizarre statement. Fellas, the whole thing is really bizarre. She said, quote, Northern Ireland has become a symbol of democracy's power to transcend divisions and deliver peace. And we need the beacon of hope now more than ever. What is she talking Wait, about? say that yeah, again? Yeah, you heard that, right? Again, uh, this was her statement. Quote, Northern Ireland has become a symbol of democracy's power to transcend divisions and deliver peace, and we need that beacon of hope now more than ever. Okay, I, I, I think I get it now. Sort of. I, I get what they're trying to say. They're wrong. It's, it's but I get wrong. what they're trying to say. It is wrong. It is just a wrong statement. <laughs> Dude, yeah. it would really sound a lot like if she had said America has become democracies. But yeah. It really would sound very much the same. But there's a white pill. During her walkout in the acceptance speech, she was being protested by an anti-war group whose name I cannot pronounce because it's in Gaelic. And you know how Gaelic is. The letters, they don't sound like what they look like on on edited recordings during that little stupid walkout that she did you can hear the protesting a lot of go fuck yourselves war criminal can be heard dozens and dozens of times shame on the queen and so forth so it was a little bit of a, a white pill but uh, i figured our, our listeners probably saw the robe clip or the robe pick and we're like you know what i'm passing that on so now yeah. now you know why <laughs> now now that you know sad. why and you can take to your Irish American family members, of of whom make up twenty five percent of this country's white population, and you can explain to them how Northern Ireland has become a symbol of democracy's power to transcend divisions and deliver peace, and they'll probably have interesting things to say to you in, in response. Hey, we need that beacon of hope. That's right. So I got a lot more car, but please, you're directing here. I don't want to. No, Stomp no, man. all I, over. I, I, I feel uh, is that I've got I've got two more things, but uh, I think you're I'll, on a roll, man. I'll, I'll give you one more for now. I'll give you one more. one more. We learned some very interesting things about former President Donald Trump, assuming the reporting is true, which it might not be, but I am assuming. <laughs> one thing Donald is known for was his terrible temper. He was throwing tantrums all the time, and he has a rage that can barely be quenched, except there was something that would calm him. Do you remember that time when Donald's penis shape came into question? You remember, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. There was, he was furious, yeah. and he wanted to push back against unflattering descriptions of his penis as resembling a mushroom, mm-hmm. coming from the pornographic film actress Stormy Daniels. You remember that? Stormy wrote in her 2018 book that Trump's penis was shaped, quote, like the mushroom character from Mario Kart. That's Toad. Toad, who's shaped like a toadstool mushroom. 
rightly furious, if you ask me. Trump was so enraged that only one man could calm him. The music man. That's right. The music man. An aide dubbed the music man was tasked with playing calming tunes for former U.S. President Donald Trump when he went into rage. To calm his moods, a handler who became known as the Music Man would play Broadway tunes, including memory from the long-running hit show Cats. The identity of the anonymous Music Man remains unknown, but it's suspected that the staffer who filled the musical chair was none other than Max Miller who Trump recently described as a great guy <laughs> in a rally. <laughs> Miller is now running for Congress, likely the one tasked with the job of piping in show tunes directly into the Oval Office from loudspeakers. No info yet on whether or not Max Miller was tasked with a sing-along, but I think it would be pretty delightful, wouldn't you? Now, Man. This is not all hot air. This, this isn't necessarily fake because Donald Trump is a well-known fan of show tunes, Broadway musicals, other high society things. His favorite musical, Evita. Yes, the one about the literal fascist president of Argentina, Eva Perón. Great, great. That, like Cats, is an Andrew Lloyd Webber production. Since I know oh. nothing about Broadway, because I consider Manhattan in general to be worthy of sinking into the sea, I cannot tell you whether or not these are good picks. But it is once again very true that Donald enjoys a show tune now and again. Other facts, he did not enjoy Hamilton, which he called overrated. He did not enjoy <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors, which he referred to as a little bit weird. Bad. <laughs> and there's no take for Bewitched as it stands. Didn't see it. <laughs> one, one, one last point on this story is... Do you remember Steve Bannon? Of course you do, right? Yeah, sure do. A friend of the show. Friend of the Never show. heard of him. <laughs> He's been on several <laughs> times. Sloppy Steve. Stop, Sloppy Steve. Trump's campaign advisor, who he had a falling out with. Remember that? Well, he described the book, which the show Hamilton is directly based on, not only as breathtaking, but groundbreaking. And he's seen that Broadway musical at least twice. So maybe that's why they had a falling out. They just couldn't see eye to eye on Broadway. Wow. It's ruined many a gay relationship. I don't see why it couldn't ruin a friendship between two rich dudes. That's, that's a great point. That was my investigative journalism. I found wow. that out. It was like, boom, right there. Yeah. That's it. Headlines. They could, and, you know, and frankly, I'm on Trump's side with this one. Don't like Hamilton? I, I don't see why I would. I've never seen it. <laughs> never seen it. I've never seen but it either, seen but it. <laughs> I can tell by how hyped up it was, and more importantly, who was hyping it up, that I probably wouldn't I, like it. And for me, I've never seen it. I don't plan on it, but I am assuming. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. that's certainly, uh, you certainly, you know, burn the candle at both ends getting to the bottom of that scoop, uh, Birdo. <laughs> that's my scoop. I got a couple yeah. of more scoops. Okay. I got a couple scoop more scoops. We'll see if we, uh, really, you want me to scoop on? I mean, I can scoop on, or you can how, scoop on. But... How about you scoop? Let's see how far we get into this, and, and maybe we'll go over the line with, with, a, with a little bit okay. more. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'll do a little mini Gomez report here. Um, I just would like to highlight the fact that whether we like their actions or not, Wheels and DeSantis seem to be acting in coordination more and more frequently. 
Um, the latest you may remember from several weeks ago where both Wheels and DeSantis have been starting to secure the border with their own people um, and getting frustrated with the feds involved. Um, you know, I'm not a border man myself, but uh, just interesting to note what, go, you know, the, the, the individual governors exercising autonomy um, over their state borders rather than, you know, or, or at least making moves away from, from the feds. Uh, but the most recent one, the most interesting one is, if you guys remember, uh, back to COVID, the uh, monoclonal antibodies, which are apparently a very, like a, like a knockout treatment for uh, COVID. If you have a, a case of COVID, you get uh, treated with monoclonal antibodies, and um, the recovery rates and, and the, the hospitalization rates, both are just incredibly impressive, apparently. Well, there's only so much to go around that's being distributed by, I believe, the FDA, but the Biden administration. And as uh, DeSantis was uh, using anti uh, monoclonal antibodies uh, over, the, over the previous months, uh, it looks like a political move has been taken by the Biden administration to res restrict his supply of <laughs> antibodies. Uh. And, and, well, <laughs> so good. DeSantis and Wheels have now started sourcing it from other places. So they are Hell going yeah. around the feds to, to source more monoclonal antibodies for their people, um, which uh, it's just an interesting development in the Gomez uh, saga. You know, Texans, so Floridians, yeah. Joe Biden would rather you die. Yes. Than, than, than not <laughs> die. Mm -hmm. Just... <laughs> Just keep that in mind. Direct implication of that. Yeah. Direct. So, Stunning that's, stuff. That's really my my last main scoop. So okay, all right. We'll 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 do an over the line later in the week. I got, I got two more, and and the last one's really a banger. So, okay. I I wanted to touch on something that we feel like we've touched on peripherally on this show before, but sometimes I. You know, we touch on stuff, and I don't really know anything about them, and you cover them, Carr, and I'm like, okay, fine. The debt ceiling is yes. one of them. Mm -hmm. And and we don't mm. talk much about the debt ceiling. Probably, I don't know why. They always fucking do this every time. We're going to talk about it now so I can explain what the debt ceiling is, how it works to any of our listeners who don't really know or, or care. I'm going to try and do it in a way that's funny. Janet Yellen, the turtle, warned lawmakers – that if the federal government doesn't raise the debt ceiling, then the federal government will run out of cash by October 18th. In a procedural vote on Monday, there was a bill to raise the federal debt ceiling, but it failed to pass because every Senate Republican voted against it. 48 Democrats voted in favor. Mitch McConnell stated that he was not going to offer clean continuing re uh, will not offer support to a clean continuing resolution that will prevent a government shutdown. Chuck Schumer responded, "It's one of the most reckless, one of the most irresponsible votes I've seen taken in the Senate." You know how he sounds. Same thing. Blah 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 blah. Well, debating the debt ceiling coincides with Democrats' attempt to pass. $1.2 trillion in funding for an infrastructure bill, which includes everything from uh, women entering the draft to sending money to the Taliban <laughs> to, like, all kinds of shit in it, obviously. <laughs> and the budget resolution that is projected has to be nearly $3.5 So Janet Yellen said Congress needs to either raise or suspend the debt ceiling, otherwise the U.S. could default on its financial obligations. 
One important note, however, is failure to raise or spend the debt ceiling would not lead to a government shutdown. Shutdowns are caused by failures to fund the government itself. The U.S. has never defaulted on its debt, at least not intentionally. There's been times when the government has waited until the last minute to raise or suspend the debt limit, and there's also been times when technical glitches cause bills to get paid late. So what actually would happen if the nation defaulted? The U.S. Treasury says it would be a catastrophic situation uh, if the U.S. defaulted on its obligations and that it would precipitate a financial crisis. Payments to those in the military, federal workers, Social Security would cease, food assistance would halt, and they estimate 9% unemployment up from the current 5.2 would be likely as well. There's also only one nation in the world with a nominal debt limit besides the United States. Anyone want to take a guess? Britain? Eh, geographically, not too far. Denmark. And Denmark's huh. is set so high it would never be an issue for decades. So prior to 1917, Congress had to approve every single new bond by the Treasury. Then, because of World War I, they did away with that system, and they opted for the Treasury to be able to accrue debt and issue bonds as long as it fell under a certain amount, and that's what the debt limit is. So the point of the debt ceiling? It's political theater. Since the 08 crisis especially, it's become a point of panic that Democrats, really whoever is trying to push their stupid infrastructure spending bills, would use to frighten constituents into harassing their congressmen to do something they were already going to do anyway. It would be too easy for Congress to just say, we have unlimited money, so politicians like to make a big game out of it and reference the very fake debt ceiling. There's no chance the U.S. would ever pay off its debt. They're too concerned about maintaining steady inflation. They can't do it by taxing the rich, which would pay for about three months of the debt. And they can't mint the trillion-dollar coin, which is the strategy that I want, because it would bonk the legacy system. Instead, they will continue the rat race. Cart... Did I miss anything there? You know about this far more than I do, I'm sure. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know all that much about it because it, primarily it's boring. But, um, the, you know, I think it would be a little bit disastrous uh, or uh, tumultuous if they, if they did default. I think they, the, our, our bonds would be, become downgraded, and that would cause a lot of turmoil in the markets if we were to actually miss. Uh, bad bonds. You know, yeah, bad. We get bad bonds we got bad bonds in the market bad uh, bonds. if we were to if we were to miss those i think that might uh, royal the markets pretty good but uh yeah i mean it's just a big pony show you know why not just print a quadrillion dollar coin i don't know I, that's what i would do idiots yeah fools um like if you look at the i was i was talking to um a guy i work with today about that and how do you print a trillion dollar coin like is it Whatever the platinum is, no, 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 what, no. It's what not based it on dollars? metals. No, it's not based on anything. Yeah, no. When the last time they were talking yeah. about doing this, which was like five or six years, yes. maybe, maybe a little bit longer than that, they were literally talking about minting it and yeah. then walking it over to the to the treasury. It's a like, show, like, and it just says a trillion dollars on. Yeah, it's a complete fucking show. They don't need to. Right, they don't need that's to print what shit. I thought. It's yeah, a complete no. ceremonial show. Yeah, because he was he was like, well, like. What do we do with the coin? Do we, like, do sell it for a trillion dollars? They're going to melt it back down, and it's going to go into Joe Biden's watch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what they're going to do. They could print a coin made of shit worth a trillion dollars. That's what they're doing every day. Yeah, yeah they're doing it every day, literally. Yeah, it, that is the craziest 
concept of a religious, it, like cultish, right? Yeah, in the is, weirdest yeah. way to be like, well, I guess we're going to print the coin. <laughs> it's like the money's not based on the coin. The coin does. I don't know what the coin does because you don't need them. Everybody no. knows there's more money it's, either in it, credit or in, in debit accounts than there actually religious. is currency. It's pure religion. It, it is. I mean, it literally is. It, that's cult behavior. I mean, that, it, it's the, the, the ceremonial printing of the coin or minting of the coin and then walking it over to the treasury. <laughs> it's, I mean, sick. It's, it's literally just a <laughs> ceremony just for ceremony's sake. Who, and who gets to walk it over? The coin boy on a fucking on a pillow? Coin boy, you're up. My time. And he fucking drops the coin into a sewer. No. Like they can't just fucking hit a computer and go, all right, it's out. That doesn't exist yeah. anymore. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so fake. Your monopoly money. But they literally, they could be like this monopoly $100 piece of paper is, is now our $1 trillion currency that we yeah. can only use one of. Mm-hmm. It's, it's easy. Joe Biden's fake hand could be the trillion dollar coin. Dude, that'd be incredible. How about that? <laughs> yeah, he fucking pops it off. A trillion dollar hand. Pops it off, slaps it on the desk in front of whatever mongrel is sitting behind it who works at that office. <laughs> uh, man, it's sick. That's second to last. I have a really troubling story to take us out. I did, did a little investigation. I was doing some investigation. Every Tuesday, the day before. The day of the recording, yeah. of course, I go on a little, my work productivity is trash because I spend the day preparing for this. And sometimes I go a little too deep. Kyrie Irving, who we talked about once already, who you may remember as the point guard of the winning Cleveland Cavaliers team hosting LeBron James. They broke the streak. If you remember, Cleveland did really great those years. Really great is back in the news because of his free-thinking mind, or whatever you want to call it. Now he plays for the New York Nets, doing a great job. We're very proud of him. I'm not a Nets fan, but I'd like to see Brooklyn, you know, doing well, because it hasn't done well in years. News broke recently that he liked a tweet. I'm sure I don't know which tweet you're talking about, but I'm sure it's unhinged because he's had a cascading uh, amount it, of unhinged. It gets like, very unhinged, yeah. Okay, awesome. He liked a tweet about coronavirus conspiracy theories. Now, on this podcast, we either believe most conspiracy theories by default, or we don't, and then we consider them. So let me just read what the report said. Quote, Irving, who serves as a vice president on the executive committee of the Players Union, recently started following and liking Instagram posts from a conspiracy theorist who claims that, quote, secret societies are implanting vaccines in a plot to connect black people to a master computer for a plan of Satan. This Moderna microchip misinformation campaign has spread across multiple NBA locker rooms and group chats, according to several of a dozen plus current players, Hall of Famers, league executives, arena workers, virologists, who were interviewed for the story over the past week. Honestly, I'm willing to agree with Kyrie here, but I did find something very interesting. This obviously isn't the first time that Kyrie has left the herd to go his own way, and I want to take a quick glance at some of the other alternative theories that Kyrie has expressed support for. So again, the first one, 
the most recent. Secret societies are implanting vaccines in a plot to connect black people to a master computer for a plan of Satan. Okay. All right. Okay. Number two, he's a strong believer in flat earth theory, quoting him directly. Quote, for what I've known for as many years and what I've come to believe, what I've been taught is that the earth is round. But, okay. <laughs> and there's the but. All right. Uh, I mean, if you really think about it from a landscape as the way we travel, the way we move, and the fact that you can really think of us rotating around the sun with all planets aligned, rotating in specific dates, being perpendicular with what's going on in these planets, stuff like this, I'm not so sure. <laughs> Excellent yeah. reply. Okay. Number three. Bob Marley was nearly assassinated by CIA-hired Jamaican hitmen because, quote, Marley tried to bring people together, and the fact that it was fundamentally built on truth and love, and we kill people for doing things like that. All right. Uh, yeah. Reasonable. Cool. I like where this Here's is Here's the going. next one. Very reasonable. Number four. The Federal Reserve played a part in the assassination of President John F. Kennedy because Kennedy wanted to end the bank cartel in the world. All right. I don't, yes. I don't know if Kennedy really wanted to do that. but yeah. I, I agree. I don't, anyway, there's a point to all this, a weird one. Let's go back to what Kyrie initially said. Microchips, master computers, secret societies, black people, Satan, etc. There's something to it. But why? Researchers, not long ago, headed a team at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology to create a microneedle platform using fluorescent microparticles called quantum dots, which can deliver vaccines and, at the same time, invisibly encode vaccination history directly into the skin. The quantum dots are composed of nanocrystals, which emit near-infrared light that can be detected by specially equipped smartphones. Tests using this platform showed that the quantum dots delivered to samples of human skin were detectable after photo bleaching that simulated five years of exposed sunlight. And they remained detectable for up to nine months when tested in rats. This is a, th a real thing because in many parts of the developed world, not even the underdeveloped world, Italy is a big example of this, vaccination history is very poorly recorded. But it's something even weirder than just necessitating it in that area. Some theorists, and I only have to say this because you can't exactly say it's true, allege that the way that the quantum dots work, the, the near-infrared light that is emitted, is from a bioluminescent set of enzymes in the microneedles, which are called luciferase. Luciferase, Lucifer. This is a real chemical. You can look it up. Lucifer means light bringer. You can make your own decisions as to whether or not you think that was originally named in the 1800s for those purposes. But luciferase, which is a real enzyme, can be used as a form of bioluminescent identification. And furthermore, to get even weirder, insertion of the microchip system is attached to a kind of cryptocurrency mining patent under the patent number 060606. The patent is entitled Cryptocurrency System Using Body Activity Data. Look it up. 
I looked it up. It's there. A server may provide a task to a device of a user which is communicatively coupled to the server. The sensor communicates from the device, well, or from the microchip to the device that the user has body activity. And the body activity data is generated based on sensed body activities of the user. If that's true, the cryptocurrency system is able to verify the body activity data so that it satisfies one or multiple conditions set by the cryptocurrency system and award cryptocurrency to the user whose body data is verified. Is that where Kyrie got the conspiracy theory from? We can't be sure, but Kyrie is invited to come on the show anytime if you'd like to get into it. Until then, we are assuming. Yeah, yep, and we will assume. Boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy. Hmm. Birdo, uh, you know, you, you were mentioning that we might step over the line this week, and you may remember that I had a little conspiracy streak. It, it was kind of coming to a conclusion as we were starting the show. Uh, I, I mean, a real conspiracy streak. Um, but, I, but I still entertain and, and blindly believe a lot of what I hear. Uh, I've got another juicy conspiracy theory that's probably a little too sensitive to be slinging around the internet without having some sort of sandboxing but mm. that's what i would like to talk about that's frightening over the line okay very good yeah. all right I've been, I've been dming the elf about this one oh I'm, wow I'm, okay yeah, yeah. all right so, look out for that one everyone uh, uh hopefully we can get that out sometime this week but there's more and more data coming out every day so uh maybe a little bit later in the week will be better so um i don't know do we have anything else before we that's all i got Aaron? no nothing okay All right, well, until next week, you too. Squad!